Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Friday. It's Friday, January 26th. Great to be with you and excited about the show today, as always. We'll give you a little bit of a rundown in just a minute or so. But I do have a favor to ask of you, brothers and sisters, this morning. After the show today, we are heading out to meet up with all the wonderful people joining us on this year's Good News Marriage Cruise. The website is goodnewscruise.com. And today is the pre-night. We are going to be landing, God willing, in Orlando. And then tonight we are going to be greeted by the amazing Dr. Scott Hahn and Kimberly Hahn, who are giving us a wonderful talk this evening. There will be a book signing as well with Scott and Kimberly. And this will all be taking place at the hotel at the uh, airport, at the Orlando Hotel. And then tomorrow morning we will head over to Port Canaveral, Florida, to get on the Adventure of the Seas, which is our love boat, so to speak, our own version of the love boat, for the annual Good News Marriage Cruise. So excited about this. We do this every year. Last year it was fun, but it was really interesting because in the middle of the cruise last year, I had to get off the ship on a Wednesday and fly out of Jamaica to D.C. because of the March for Life. So this time I'm going to be on the ship all week, thanks be to God, with Deacon Dom. And we are going to be presenting on Sunday afternoon and doing our keynote Remember to remember, this is our testimony, our reversion story, but we concentrate in this particular talk with the importance of reflection, looking back and looking forward. You can't have gratitude if you don't remember. And sometimes when we get caught up in our particular situation, we remember or don't remember to remember, actually, what the Lord has done in our lives. So we are really pushing the activity the important spiritual activity of reflection and remembering in this particular talk. But there's a whole slew of talks. There's a whole slew of great speakers. Dr. Ray Grendy, as you heard, is going to be there. Father Michael Schmitz. Archbishop Nauman. Amazing. He's giving us our opening talk on Saturday. So can't wait for that. And as I mentioned, Father Michael Schmitz. It's just going to be a great time. And what I love the most is just getting to know so many of the couples. Now, we have 800 people so 400 couples, obviously we probably won't have time to meet everyone, but we do our best to, to move around and to make sure we get to meet people. I love to hear their stories. I love to hear their journeys. And we would love for you to, to join us as well. But you can join us by listening because we will be on with you, God willing, if technology works every day, including with two live studio audiences on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. Now, we can't have live audiences every day because... Oftentimes, the first thing in the morning is Mass. For example, Monday, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, they have a Mass, and so my show goes on the air at 8 locally here in Michigan, and then for two hours, of course. So we won't be having a studio, a live studio audience on Monday, but Tuesday, the plan is for that, and then again on Thursday. So I do hope you listen, because Dr. Ray is going to be doing his show, and it'll be really great stuff. And then also, Father Joe Krupp is our MC again. He's for the Diocese of Lansing, and he has a fantastic podcast that he's also going to be recording on the ship. So just pray for the technology to work and for everyone to get there safely and pray for the sacrament of marriage as we are moving into February with World Marriage Day coming up on Sunday, February 11th. All right, let's take a look at the weather super quickly. More storms are bringing winter weather. A lot of this stuff started up yesterday and it brought some weather to the north and flood risk to the south and the problems continue through today. There were winter weather advisories that began yesterday and are still in effect in many areas from the plains to New England and flood watches running from southeast Texas into southern Tennessee. We'll check the news right now and then after that, our good friend Doug Keck, of course, our chief operating officer and president, will be joining us. I can't wait to talk to him about the coverage of the different marches in San Francisco, L.A., Washington, what he thought, and our dedication to the pro-life movement. And then we're going to be diving into more deeply, giving you some of the resources, more details on the resources that Father Mitch Pacwa and I mentioned yesterday to stand up and respond to some of these arguments that are out there, especially this week with the administration pushing all abortion all the time. Of course, we're one of your greatest resources. Check it out at EWTN.com. Right now, at almost five minutes past the hour on this Friday morning, January 26, 2024, it is time for the news. So let's get started. 
Six religious sisters kidnapped in Haiti have now been freed. Vatican News reporting that Haiti's Bishops' Conference confirming the news that the sisters of the Congregation of St. Anne were released along with two lay people who had also been abducted from a bus by unidentified armed men on January 19th. One bishop responding to the news saying, We cried out to God. He made us strong in our trials and brought our captives back to freedom. This Saturday, January 27th, is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. May the remembrance and condemnation of that horrific extermination of millions of Jews and people of other faiths which took place in the first half of the last century help everyone not to forget that the logic of hatred and violence can never be justified because it denies our very humanity. As Vatican News reports, with those words at the end of his weekly general audience this week in Pope Paul VI Hall, the Holy Father looked ahead to tomorrow, the upcoming day which occurs each year on the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau, the largest Nazi concentration and death camp. He said war itself is a denial of the humanity. The Pope is appealing for efforts on behalf of peace. Lisa Taylor tells us the U.S. Supreme Court is declining to stop the nation's first execution by nitrogen hypoxia. It's scheduled to take place in Alabama tomorrow. The state Supreme Court gave the go-ahead after Kenneth Eugene Smith requested the method. He's serving on death row for the 1988 murder of Elizabeth Sennett in Colbert County. An attorney for Smith asked the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to block the execution, arguing the untested method may violate the Constitution's ban on cruel and unusual punishment. I'm Lisa Taylor. As Senate colleagues continue to work on a bipartisan plan to secure the border, Florida GOP Senator Rick Scott is speaking out against illegal immigration. It's pretty dangerous what this administration has done. Even the director of the FBI says we have now have terror cells all across this country as a result of our open southern border. So it's crazy what's going on. Scott, who is up for re-election, says 8.4 million people have crossed the U.S. border illegally. Since Joe Biden took office, many New Hampshire voters said immigration was their number one concern. And Brian Chook tells us a Jewish advocacy group backed by New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft is planning to run an ad during the Super Bowl on February 11th. Kraft said in a statement the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism ad is aimed at bringing viewers of all backgrounds together to stand up against prejudice and hate against Jews. The group got started in 2023 and has committed more than $200 million towards fighting anti-Semitism. The 32nd spot marks the second year in a row an ad related to religion is appearing during the Super Bowl. Two Christian-based ads with the message of He Gets Us ran during last year's Super Bowl. The girlfriend of a man accused of going on a killing spree in southwest suburban Joliet is charged with obstruction, as Perry Williams tells us. Police say Kylie Cleveland Singleton is the mother of Romeo Nance's three-year-old son. Investigators believe Nance shot and killed seven relatives and another man. Officers questioned Cleveland Singleton about the deaths on Monday night. However, detectives believe she made statements in order to prevent Nance from being caught. Authorities also announced yesterday that some of the victims killed included Nance's mother, brother, his three sisters, and his aunt and uncle. Facial recognition software is to blame for the wrongful arrest of a Texas man, and now he's suing Macy's and the parent company of Sunglass Hut. Harvey Murphy Jr. spent almost two weeks in jail after facial recognition technology falsely identified him as a suspect of armed robbery. When prosecutors verified that Murphy had been in Sacramento, California at the time of the robbery, he was released. While in jail, he says he was attacked and assaulted by three men. He's suing the companies for $10 million for what he said was a wrongful arrest based on the negligent use of facial recognition software. The FBI is warning the public about the online sextortion of children. Acting Special Agent R. Joseph Rothrock in the FBI's field office in Baltimore says children have to be told about the dangers of creating and sending sexually explicit images. Meanwhile, Adam Rosenberg, the executive director of LifeBridge's Health Center for Hope, says talking to children can keep them from becoming victims. We want parents to be able to have uh, conversations with children, and, and then children should be able to have a trusted parent they can go to if they find themselves in a situation that they're over their head on. The FBI says predators threaten to expose the image if the child does not send more of them, and they also use the images to extort money. Between October of 2021 and March of last year, the FBI and Homeland Security receiving more than 13,000 reports of the sextortion of minors. And an investigation is underway into the use of deepfake technology to mimic Joe Biden's voice in a robocall to New Hampshire voters. Experts who have heard it say it shows 
there are limits to the technology. You can tell that it's basically a, a deep fake, and it doesn't take a lot of training to sort of figure that out. San Antonio professor Max Kilger says the technology is getting better, though, and it's easier than ever to access. So he predicts we will see more of these deep fakes as we inch closer to the election. And Brad Ford tells us Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson's decision to stay out of a multi-state settlement with Johnson & Johnson over opioid sales has apparently paid off. Johnson & Johnson will pay Washington an additional $24 million. The original settlement that was accepted by most other states was for nearly $99 million. The $150 million total settlement requires $123 million be used to combat the opioid epidemic. Ferguson says the money will be paid in a lump sum by May, and Washington legislators can plan now how to spend the money in this current session. And finally, in our new segment on a Friday morning, January 26th, the restaurant industry bouncing back after the COVID-19 pandemic. According to a recent report from Yelp, more than 53,000 restaurants opened last year, which is an increase from 2022 and 2019. An official with the company says 2023 was the first time the industry saw more restaurant openings than pre-pandemic levels. The report also finding that there was an upswing in restaurant openings out west last year, and some of the fastest-growing restaurant categories include creperies, pasta shops, and pop-up restaurants. It is a Friday morning. More Catholic Connection coming up. Stay tuned. He was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. He once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. We are the pro-life generation passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection on a Friday, January 26th. Always great to catch up with Doug Keck, our Chief Operating Officer and President of EWTN. So, Doug, I think despite the snow coming down sideways, upside down, inside out, <laughs> a week from a week ago Friday, I think everything went off pretty well. Had a blast out there covering the march. Thanks for letting me do that again. And, of course, lots of rain in San Francisco, but we got through it all, right? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Teresa, you're a road warrior for life. Uh, you're still out there on the street while some of us other guys are hiding in the studio and in the warm buildings these days. So uh, you know, a salute to you, our great crew in all those locales, especially D.C. with the snow and, and mm -hmm. the weather. And, of course, uh, a real shout-out to the, uh, the pro-life marchers who continue to march and show up even post-row. Uh, and uh, and especially in that kind of weather and environment, so I think it uh, it really uh, their enthusiasm helps us all uh, stay in the fight and remind us that the fight continues now yeah. on a state by state basis. 
There were so many neat signs, and I know uh, the Register and Catholic News Agency did a lot on the signs. Some people are so creative with such beautiful messages, and none of them is ever offensive. Did you ever notice that? They're all like just really well done. Right. That's why it's so important, I think, when we're, we're, we're covering the march to, to focus on the people who come, uh, the locales, you know, the different churches, the organizations, as a shout-out to them, and then again, like you said, uh, the creative nature of so many people. As we've seen, I mean, one of the upsides, I think, of the web is to see the level of creativity and humor of so many people online who come with, up with so many uh, clever uh, titles and memes, etc., especially in the pro-life vein. There was a, a young student, and it was one of the pictures you had in one of the stories, I think it was on CNA, and he was carrying a sign that said, you will not defeat us, and defeat was spelled F-E-T-U-S. Right. Now, so, I mean, just really creative. Right, exactly, and reminding people of, uh, of the whole idea of, of using your feet to march, but also those little baby feet that are representative, of course, of, uh, of the pro-life movement. And we have to keep that in front of people because people just look away. Uh, they, they don't want to think about it. They, don't mm-hmm. wanna, they just want to say, uh, you know, I, I'm not in favor of it, but. And one of the things, in fact, uh, in, in a recent discussion we had uh, to show the Catholic Sphere, which I did recently, it hasn't aired yet with Father Mitch and uh, Colin Donovan and Father Spitzer, you know, just that idea, and we've talked about it on Spitzer's show as well, and I know you recently did a long-form interview with him, mm-hmm. uh, on the whole idea of the life issue. And before, people could hide behind Roe and say, well, it doesn't really matter what my vote happens, uh, it's the law of the land. That's gone now. So when you're voting in your particular state, and you're voting for somebody or voting directly for an amendment that has to do with... Uh, abortion, uh, you're getting pretty close to directly being involved with that abortion on a much closer level than you were before. So you better pray and think about uh, your level of involvement because it's not quite as distant as it maybe used to be in your mind. Especially this time in this year, it's an election year, and so what we do, especially with the pro-life issue, as the bishops have reminded us that abortion is a preeminent issue, it's super crucial. And I was thinking about this, and Father Mitch and I in our discussion uh, Thursday on his Cultural Connection segment here on this program, we were talking about this, and if we look at what's been happening, and you guys have been doing such a great job with all of our news outlets of covering this, Monday was the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, even though we're post-Roe now, as you mentioned, but if you look at this administration, can they push abortion anymore? And now they're doing these, and they're very effective, unfortunately, with the money they have from Planned Parenthood. Now they're doing these stories, and, and they're making it sound as if we're insensitive because there's this new study. I'm going to talk about this in um, my Fact Check Friday coming up. There's a new, quote-unquote, study that a Planned Parenthood doctor has released showing that more than 64,000 women who became pregnant since post-Roe, Roe v. Wade, have conceived through rape. Now, I don't know where they got that number, and I, anything from Planned Parenthood as a quote-unquote research or survey or study is highly suspect. But so the, the message there is, reading between the lines, well, how can you simply deny women abortion when all these women have been through rape? So we're the bad guys. Right. Well, that's always been the case, and unfortunately the media is, is willing to support that. And unfortunately, as you pointed out, uh, there's a sense in the Democratic Party, you just got to say it, that abortion was what kept things uh, as, as good for them as it did in the, in the midterms. And there's been, uh, I mean, they're not hiding it. I mean, there's very large uh, groups that are saying, you need to get out there and talk about abortion. I mean, basically, the Kamala Harris, uh, who's, uh, you know, supposedly was handling the border and immigration or whatever, you know, she was kind of like the project of the week. Her new project is abortion. Mm-hmm. That's what she's going out and talking about. Uh, our, 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 our Catholic president was out there. Uh, you know, we're not talking about choice. We're talking about abortion. Let's be honest about what the, what the choice is. Uh, so, you know, it's clear they see that as a winning uh, combination for them. And, and uh, you know, anybody who says we're being insensitive is, is, is dealing with straw men. Uh, mm-hmm. all the time, uh, these phony arguments and these voting discussions and always using statistics uh, to make it sound like this is what we're talking about when, you know, you're talking. Because if you said to them, okay, well, let's do this. Let's get rid of all the ones except that have to do with rape and incest, okay? Would you live with that? Mm-hmm. Of course they wouldn't of live with that. Of course not, it. no. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a phony argument. Yeah, absolutely, which is why what we do is, is even more important. So we had the March for Life on Friday, and then we had San Francisco on Saturday, One Life L.A., 
and we continue, as always, with pro-life covering because that's who we are. Absolutely, and that's been our goal, you know, uh, since the early days. Obviously, Mother was always uh, life-centric in her view of these things. And, you know, as we slowly expanded our coverage from the March for Life in Washington, and then our good friends out at Ignatius came forward and said, we're going to do this thing out on the West Coast, and we got involved early on through Life on the Rock, basically, with the uh, Walk for Life West Coast. And then when Archbishop... Uh, you know, Gomez came in and started talking about the One Life LA, and we got involved with covering that. And uh, and we're very proud uh, to cover those events, and we have a great feeling that it's in covering those that has inspired, as we've talked about before, many other marches and events uh, throughout the country and in many many other cities, as well as as well as the uh, life events happening up in Canada. We also cover in May. Well, Rome, the Rome March for Life got started Absolutely. because of the March for Life in, in D.C. and our coverage of it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, speaking of coverage, I, I told you I was doing an extended interview with, with Father Robert Spitzer mm-hmm. on one of his latest books uh, regarding the Bible and, and reason, science, and faith. And I noticed on your schedule for Father Spitzer's Universe that you're going to be having, uh, let's see, I think it's on, it's 20, when is it? Um, it's next week, right? Next Thursday, I believe. We are going to be talking about the third installation of a series we're doing regarding the spiritual effects of pornography. Right, absolutely. It's part of his moral wisdom of the Catholic Church. Uh, you know, we kind of went through the overview, and now we're talking specifically about that particular chapter, just because it, it has such an incredible negative impact uh, on people and on society and, and on the structure of the basic structure of marriage. Um, and having somebody who unfortunately worked on the Playboy Channel in my youth, uh, I saw the negative impacts of wow. it firsthand uh, mm-hmm. when we're, with our programming and the way it certainly impacted uh, men and their view of women. And re- you, if you're concerned about objectification, welcome to pornography. Uh, and the scary part is that uh, instead of uh, to getting better, it's getting worse, and what's getting worse is that women are getting involved with it as well uh, on a much higher level than it had ever been viewed before. And, of course, it's so easy because it really is its insidious. It, you, can, you can get it in your home. Uh, and, on uh, your you cell know, phone, you to, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to go to the seedy side of town and go into the back of the uh, video store with the curtain and find some uh, uh, crummy video. It's... It, 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 again, it, the, the devil always makes it that much more tempting and easier. And, and as we talk about, it's like nobody will know, nobody will know, nobody will know. And then as soon as somebody gives into the temptation, the first thing the devil tells you, the demon tells you is, oh, what a terrible person. Wait mm-hmm. till everybody finds out about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have no right to say anything to anybody now. Yep, yep. Because there was a saying that I heard once that the devil will convince you that sin is no big deal, but when you do sin, he will never let you forget it. Oh, absolutely. He's the accuser. He's the one that then accuses you of all the horrible things you've done, and how dare you. And so many times in our society today, so many people have been attacked with this uh, hypocrisy. Well, you can't say anything because you're not perfect. Well, uh, well, nobody's perfect. We got that idea. You know, there's there's one or two there. We got our Lord and our Lady. And, and the Blessed Mother. That's, our Lord. that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, outside of that, and the rest of us are, you know, if that's what it takes to say... You know, I don't know what our Lord was talking about. He wanted the uh, gospel spread by these apostles. Yeah. They were far from perfect. So he, obviously he had no problem with people who were less than perfection going out preaching what was actually the truth. North, south, east, and west, the Great Commission, right? Right. He even said to people with the Pharisees, listen, listen to what they say. What they teach is fine. It's what they do with do, the teaching the and how they actually yeah. live their life that's the problem. Mm. All right, well, we know that we have great programming coming up in addition to what we just mentioned with your Father Spitzer's universe uh, to look at many problems in the world. So what else is coming up next week and this weekend? Well, tomorrow on Saturday, speaking of uh, efforts, uh, expanding pro-life out there, but we've got the Matter of Life, powerful pro-life film on the humanity of the child at 8 p.m. on Saturday. Also, a new program that's airing tomorrow afternoon, Light With Us, really focuses on the Catholic Church's efforts in supporting uh, the people of Ukraine in their present situation. Of course, EW10 has an affiliate there. And then Carrie Grass's bookmark, The End of Woman, How Smashing the Patriarchy Has Destroyed Us, a really powerful book. I highly recommend it. She joined us for a Catholic Sphere episode that's upcoming as well. And then we've got Jeanette Bankovic with author Kimberly Begg for a couple of shows next week on saintly influences raising holy children. We can use all the help we can get these mm. days. It's pretty tough out there. We're excited about a new three-part miniseries that Father Mitch did while in Poland. 
Not some, Doug. You've got some really great interviews coming up. Carrie Gress is one. And then something special with St. John Bosco, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Mother Angelica was always big on the dreams of St. John Bosco. And this is her classic discussion from her live show, airing on the 31st on the same day as uh, St. John Bosco's feast day, which uh, if people aren't familiar with his dream, uh, it's a bit of a nightmare for the church. But you should find out what he had to say and how relevant it really is today. Doug, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Really appreciate all that you do at the network. And just a, a, a real thank you for allowing me to be part of the March for Life every year. I so enjoy it, despite the upside down, inside out, sideways snow and rain. <laughs> Bring a lot to it. Thanks so much. Thank you. And God bless. And we will talk to you soon. Doug Keck, our Chief Operating Officer and President. Up next, Fact Check Friday on a Friday. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN on this Friday, January 26th. As I said earlier, keep all of us in your prayers as we head out for the Good News Cruise, which technically begins Saturday. Tomorrow, the 27th, we set sail from Port Canaveral. But we are, as I mentioned earlier, on our way after the show to meet up with the amazing Dr. Scott Hahn and his beautiful wife, Kimberly, who will be our keynote speakers tonight. We always do a pre-night, so we give people a chance to come in early, kind of get a little bit settled, hear a great talk, and then join us on the ship afterwards. And so that all starts this evening at the Orlando Airport. And then the cruise starts tomorrow. And we'll give you updates during the week and what's happening and all kinds of fun stuff. And also stay tuned, as I mentioned, to Facebook. Fact Check Friday. Okay, I'm sure you've probably heard by now, if you've been following the news at all, maybe it's come up on one of your feeds or maybe your friends have asked you about it, maybe you've seen it in the local or national news. A story really broke yesterday. Apparently there's this new study, quote-unquote study, that was released by an abortion, well, I won't say abortion doctor. It's a doctor associated with Planned Parenthood, okay? Uh, so Planned Parenthood basically released this study, and they're claiming that more than 64,000 women became pregnant through rape since Roe v. Wade has been overturned because of various abortion bans around the country, and they were unable to get abortions. I mean, if you just put in abortion and rape, that story will come up to the nth degree. It's everywhere. And we really have to counter, as we were talking about with Doug just a few minutes ago, we have to be able to counter those lies with reason, with facts, and with a lot of love. And not to win an argument. But it's really important to be able to understand this and how the media report this as well, which is where Fact Check Friday comes in. Because the media and the surveys show, and I mentioned this in my book Noise, my book Extreme Makeover, Going all the way back to the 80s, there are studies to show that the majority, the vast majority of people working in the newsrooms are extremely pro-abortion. Now, in you know, perfect world, that shouldn't matter because reporters are supposed to be able to put their personal opinions aside unless they're writing an op-ed piece and report on a story. Okay? But we know that they are in lockstep. And again, the research is there. You can look at my book, Noise. You could look at the Media Research Center. You could look at all kinds of studies. Parents Television Council also has a lot on this. So you have to be aware of what the media are saying, but you also need to know the truth and the facts and always consider the source. So I would think, and I hope you would agree, that anything coming from Planned Parenthood can't be trusted. This is the largest organized abortion operation in the world, not to mention the country, that still gets a gazillion dollars of our tax dollars from the federal government. So they're claiming this, and so the media are sympathizing with them, and yet the reality of the situation they don't put out there in terms of the completeness of it. As Father Mitch said in this program yesterday, how many people think about the rapist? Why are you going after an innocent baby and the woman as opposed to the rapist. Why isn't the rapist ever talked about in these stories about rape and abortion? They automatically, as Father Mitch said yesterday, go to abortion. Secondly, when you look at the research, do you know that most women who conceive through rape do not want additional trauma, do not want the abortion? I mentioned resources, and I mentioned this yesterday, afterabortion.org. It's a great website. Dr. Reardon is an expert on post-abortion. There's a great article on there. If you go to afterabortion.org and just put in 
rape and abortion, abortion rape, several different articles will come up. He says, typically people on both sides of the abortion debate accept the premise that most women who become pregnant through sexual assault want abortions. From this fact, it naturally follows that the reason women want abortions in this case is because it will help them put the assault behind them, recover more quickly, and avoid the additional trauma of giving birth to a rapist child. But in fact, the welfare of a mother and her child are never at odds, even in sexual assault cases. As the stories of many women confirm, both the mother and the child are helped by preserving life, not by perpetuating more violence. Sadly, however, the testimonies of women who have actually been pregnant through sexual assault are routinely left out of this public debate. Many people, including sexual assault victims who have never been pregnant, may be forming opinions based on their own prejudices and fears rather than the real-life experiences of those who have been in this difficult situation and reality. For example, Dr. Reardon says, and again, this is on the website afterabortion.org, it is commonly assumed that rape victims who become pregnant would naturally want abortions, but in the only major study of pregnant rape victims ever done, Dr. Sandra Maycorn found that 75 to 85 percent did not have abortions. This figure is remarkably similar to the 73 percent rate found in our sample of 164 pregnant rape victims. This one finding alone should cause people to pause and reflect on the presumption that abortion is wanted or even best for sexual assault victims. Dr. Reardon goes on to explain several reasons are given for not aborting. Many women who became pregnant through sexual assault do not believe in abortion, believing it would be a further act of violence perpetrated against their bodies and their children. Further, many believe that their children's lives may have some intrinsic meaning or purpose, which they do not yet understand. This child was brought into their lives by a horrible, repulsive act. But perhaps God or fate will use a child for some greater purpose, Good can still come from evil. The women may also sense, at least at a subconscious level, if they can get through the pregnancy, they will have conquered the rape. By giving birth, she can reclaim some of her lost self-esteem. Giving birth, especially when conception was not desired, is a totally selfless act, a generous act, a display of courage, strength, and honor. It is proof that she is better than the rapist. While he was selfish, she can be generous. While he destroyed, she can nurture. And here's another important point, adding to the trauma. Many people assume the abortion will at least help a rape victim put the assault behind her and get on with her life. But evidence shows that abortion is not some magical surgery which turns back the clock to make a woman unpregnant. In their survey here at afterabortion.org, this is a website to which I'm referring, in their survey of women who became pregnant as a result of rape or incest, many who underwent abortions indicated they felt they were pressured or strongly directed by family members or health care workers to have an abortion. The abortion came about not because of the woman's desire to abort, but as a response to the suggestion or demands of others. The trauma is huge. And there's more information on this website, afterabortion.org, not to mention silentnomoreawareness.org, with testimonies of women who conceived through sexual assault, and carried their pregnancy to term, either placing the child with an adoptive family or keeping the baby. These are the stories that we need to share. And another big question is what would you say if you think that abortion is acceptable in cases of rape and incest? What do you say to those who are conceived through rape? After I did the segment with Father Mitch yesterday, I received a very powerful email from a listener of ours, Diane, a wonderful, solid Catholic, and she's a big supporter of Ave Maria Radio. She says, great discussion with Father Mitch. My grandmother was raped at knife point, along with her sister, while babysitting in Detroit in January 1929. She got pregnant at age 15. My mom was born in October 1929, a few days before the crash. As the years passed, my grandmother never conceived another child. Praise God for my mom. What a pure gift she was to so many of us. Abortion is never the answer. We are with every woman for every child. As we said at the March for Life in Washington last week, life is always the answer. And we have the resources for women who find themselves in all kinds of horrible and very difficult situations. Abortion is never the answer. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, Catholic Connection. 39 minutes past hour. I think Father Mitch did a great job of understanding when it comes to the Vatican, when it comes to the church, there are particular ways where we can express our concerns. He mentioned in the Synodal way, where now they're calling for these listening meetings. And it's very different than, again, what we have here in the United States in terms of our structure as a democratic republic and the way systems are set up, where there's much more of a direct uh, feedback or pushback that we can have with various institutions and, and government leaders and the government itself. For example, if you're in Rome, even if you get all these people to sign a petition, to whom is it going to go? There's no office at the Santa Marta or the Vatican that says, oh, let's take the petitions and let's test, you know, check the pulse of the U.S. or wherever and see how people feel. It is the kingdom of God, so it's different. Now, there are ways here in the United States, obviously, that we can, as Father said, stand up for the kingdom of God with these individual institutions because we're in a different setting here in the U.S. And that's why I'm so proud of these two young ladies. And it's interesting because many alums push back, as we mentioned earlier in the show, but also students right there at St. Mary's College pushed back against a decision that was eventually rescinded. We have Claire Batag and Marcy Ganell on with us, and they were really on the front lines of this. Ladies, good morning. Claire, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. And we have Macy. Macy, thanks for joining us as well. Yes, good morning. Thank you. All right, so Macy, take us back to when, when this story broke. Kind of give our audience a background if they're not familiar with it, if you would. Yes, so at St. Mary's College, um, I was actually working in the admissions office. I'm a student ambassador, so I give tours and all that. And I overheard from my boss in the room right next to me while I was working at the front desk that they had a new policy that was implemented in June. And by the way, this is November. Um, so we have them on record saying that they've been hiding it since June, but this is a policy that would allow transgender women into our women's Catholic institution. So, again, this was implemented in June, and it didn't even surface until November. So it was quite a frightening thing to hear. And, of course, I immediately went to Claire, and, you know, we went to all of our friends. And, you know, a couple months later, here we are, um, amazing, large group of support. Um, it's been a really crazy adventure, but, I mean, it's it's been it's been pretty heartwarming to see that at least we have so many amazing people ready to stand up and fight that policy. So, Claire, give me your take on and, and inform our audience, St. Mary's College in Indiana. What was it like prior to this decision that was made and then eventually rescinded because of the pushback? What was the climate there right in terms of the upholding of Catholic teaching? Yeah, I mean, this wasn't really something that surprised Macy or myself or honestly anybody because in the past they've had a strong, strong history of honestly, upholding liberal ideology. And this goes for not only administration, but the professors on campus. So when we found out about this policy, I can't say that any of us were shocked or surprised um, because they've they've really always had these um, left-leaning policies. So, Claire, I'll go back to you, and then, Macy, feel free to jump in. How, do you, how did you go about getting the response in terms of organizing the pushback? And, and so then, with, given the state of affairs prior to the decision they made. You Obviously, you said you weren't surprised. Were you surprised that they rescinded it? Yeah, I um, – well, actually, this goes back to last year. I tried starting a conservative uh, club on campus um, as a Turning Point USA chapter just because we didn't really have any conservative Catholic recognition. Um, so that was, you know, how we kind of got together a big group of girls who were not upset – I mean, who were very upset about this policy. Um, and – so after we, you know, informed everybody, nobody was happy, of course, um, and that's kind of how we started the pushback, and it, it kind of blew up from there. They even started a Facebook group full of people who were really concerned about this policy, and, and that Facebook group even has, like, about 800 members at this point. So, yeah, I, I would say that I'm shocked that they reversed this policy. I think that if they didn't have the amount of pressure coming from current students, alumni, and from um, the bishop himself, they would not have reversed the policy. Um, of course, I'm grateful that they did, but I can't say I'm surprised. Mm. Macy, your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, I was definitely surprised to see how soon they reversed it, because as soon as it surfaced in November, it really only lasted about a month. Um, but, I mean, that's all because of all the efforts of current students, um, all of our alumni, even thousands of just friends and supporters across the nation. I mean, this is what happens when these institutions, you know, implement these woke policies. I mean, as they say these days, go woke, go broke, and that's what happened. They lost so much donor money. They have lost enrollment. They've lost future enrollment. Um, and most importantly, they lost the support of 
you know, in essence, thousands across the nation. So, again, I'm surprised it happened that fast, but, of course, I'm glad it did, and it's because of all the efforts of so many amazing people. Well, Macy, I'll go back to you. What kind of lessons have you learned from this in terms of, of the people speaking up, you know, and, and expressing their concerns, pulling money? What did you learn from this experience? Yeah, so I really hope that this story can be an inspiration to people all over the nation because I've learned that, I mean, really no matter who you are, if you speak up and if you're passionate enough about your stance, then you can really get pretty far because in essence, I mean, Claire and I are kind of nobodies. You know, we're just these current, you know, 20-year-old girls against this college administration. Um, but with our outreach, with our efforts, and then with the amazing support and efforts of all these people, we were able to, you know, it's, it's kind of a David and Goliath versus, you know, kind right. of story where we were able to stand up against this, you know, so-called large administration. So I think that people all across the nation need to see this as an inspiration. I hope that everyone everywhere can understand that it really is possible to stand up for what you believe in, and I think it is possible to uh, restore sanity in our nation. Claire, what do you think? Would you um, do follow up with Macy in terms of uh, agreeing there? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with, you know, going along with what Macy said. I think it's really important not to be afraid of cancel culture. I think that a lot of students our age are now just so terrified to speak up against these woke agenda and woke policies because they feel that they are sitting in the minority. But from this experience, we realize that we really are the majority, and the majority of us are, you know, students who are terrified of these woke policies. And I think that standing up against this cancel culture um, is really not a hard thing to do. You just got to get yourself out there and, you know, trust that you have that support and you have other students that will back you up. So what I think is, is so interesting and eye-opening, uh, and Macy, you said this, they kept this under wraps. If this was such a great thing and they really believed in because a statement that the board put out, moreover, we clearly underestimated our community's general, genuine desire to be engaged in the process of shaping a policy of such significance. Why did you underestimate it? I mean, no, you just didn't care. This is like, it's all semantics here, but very, that, that statement alone says a lot. Don't you think, Macy, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, that statement especially, it's pretty disgusting to see how much they really don't care right. about anyone besides themselves. I mean, this is, I mean, I've been telling people it's a pretty authoritarian regime kind of leadership at our college right now. I mean, they should be including students. They should be including the thousands of alumni. I mean, St. Mary's College is very special as for its tradition and its connections and its roots in the foundations of both the church and all of its students. So it's really, really sickening to see that they hid it for so long. They included nobody that they should have. Um, and they didn't even include the bishop either. I mean, this is just a really, really weird authoritarian kind of leadership, and it's it's really sickening. Although we did win and we did get the policy reversed, I mean, the war is not over because we still have these people in our leadership. So it's it's very, very interesting. And that would be my follow-up question: would be okay. What happens now? They received the pushback. They lost money. Oopsie. I guess we, you know, we were, we pushed a little bit too far. But they they make these grandiose statements now. Oh, we underestimated. Oh, this. Oh, that. And they also said, I think this is from your president of the college, that they're going to revisit. I'm paraphrasing, but revisit the Catholicism of St. Mary's. Well. Duh. I mean, you're a Catholic college, but what's happening with that? I mean, I know we have the holidays and whatnot, but are there efforts right now, and how are you two amazing young women going to be among those making sure that they actually practice what they preach in their statements? Macy, I'll go to you first. Yeah, so um, that apology email was pretty uh, pretty weak because they literally said in there that, you know, although we're reversing this now, we hope to implement it further with, you know, further education of our St. Mary's community. So, they're going to try to coerce us. They're going to try to brainwash us. Um, so, yes, although the policy is reversed, the war is not over. All you know, We're only going to increase our efforts from here um, because there's a lot of work to do at St. Mary's. I mean, we really need to keep working to restore the foundations that the school is built on, um, and we're going to have to keep working to make sure we stand up for the church and also real women everywhere. Yeah. So, Claire, what, are there any meetings? Are there any panels put together? What's, what's been happening since, uh, since the, the, they rescinded that decision to allow uh, anyone identifying as, as a female to come to college? In terms of uh, current meetings being scheduled for this policy, I'm not really sure of that. However, I do know that these you know, meetings of restoring their Catholic identity is just code word for indoctrination. Uh-huh. And um, this is not a surprise to any of us. I think that With all of this being said, it's important that, you know, students like Macy and I and our big group of 70 girls get together and we push back against all of these anti-Catholic, anti-women policies because 
you know, the only thing that they've given us what we wanted to is their response of uh, the anti um, St. Mary's media that's been going around. So I mm-hmm. think that if we, as long as we keep the pressure on them, we should be hopefully okay. Would you like to see, and Claire, I'll go back to you, uh, more uh, instructional instruction on the Catholic faith in the school? Has that been lacking? What do you think is needed in terms of helping people understand the beauty and the dignity of the human person, male and female? Yeah, I think we really need to go back to our foundations. I mean, I I remember walking into St. Mary's on the first day of school. We sat down, and the professor asked us to go around our room and ask what our, and to say what our pronouns were. And I remember being in a state of shock because, you know, I attend an all-women's college, so why don't we all have the same pronouns? Um, So I think that St. Mary's really needs to focus on going back to their foundations and their Catholic roots, and I think this can be done with, um, having strong communication with the bishop because um, mm-hmm. he's already proven to be on our side, which we are so believe, unbelievably grateful for. Um, but yeah, the the, the foundational um, ideologies really need to be strengthened. And Macy, I'm hoping that you utilize the, your your media on campus as well as the media in that area of northern Indiana and to keep this story alive because you need to have panel discussions, hold to have a press conference, give an update. You have to keep it out there because people, otherwise they're going to, you know, this is a, a, a you know, someone who's been doing this for a long time. Uh, they're going to push it under the rug and the media are going to forget about it. They're going to move on to the next big story. So are you planning any, any editorials, any any publicity, any events right now? Yes, I mean, I'm not going to get too into specifics. I don't spoil any of our surprises, but we definitely are working to keep this uh, to keep this up because, I mean, like we said, I mean, this has been a huge effort of people all across the nation, and we got to keep it going, especially since, like we said, I mean, they're not done with this policy. They're going to keep trying to set both this policy and other pretty right. bad ones in the future. I definitely see that coming. So, I mean, we got to keep up our efforts, and I know we have so many people watching and so many people counting on us. Um, so... Again, although we won this battle, I mean, this war is not over. This literally yeah. could be, you know, another few years of a journey. Um, so we just got we got to keep it up, and we know that, um, you know, this this fight's going to have to keep going. Which it's been pretty exhausting, but I mean, I can assure everyone listening that uh, Claire and I are more than willing to do this. I mean, we're, um, you know, we're not going to stop fighting for truth and faith, and you know, no, you know, please don't. You're a great so example. And you're a light for us right now. Before we, we have about a minute left. I have to know. This is the Inquiring Minds reporter in me, Macy. What are you studying, and Claire? What are you studying, Macy? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm actually studying uh, political science and economics. I'm hoping good for to go, you. Uh, Run for office, please. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping to go into um, constitutional and conservative law one day. You go, girl. Claire, how about you? I'm actually studying business and marketing with a minor in Spanish, so not quite the same path, but hopefully taking that in the direction of politics. Oh, yeah, but you can use that marketing degree, sister, for a lot, right? Listen, (laughs) you guys are amazing. God bless you both, and thanks to the alumni, too, because the alumni actually originally contacted us. So it's the alums, it's the students are all working together, and thanks to Bishop Rhodes for continuing his his strong stance of upholding the Catholic faith, because that surely made a difference. Macy Canal and Claire Batag from St. Mary's College in Indiana. Their efforts and the efforts of others in the school and graduates and across the country made a difference. And St. Mary's College rescinded their woke policy of allowing anyone identifying as a woman to attend. And we'll be checking in with these amazing young women a few months down the road to see how their battle for truth and the faith is going. We'll be right back. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. 
It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thanks so much for listening to Catholic Connection. And just remember, if you're a new listener or not, if you've been on board with us for a while, you may not know that we are co-produced, actually, by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And you can find us both online, all kinds of great resources, at EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Now, I give you those websites quite often because I want to remind you, if you heard something on the show today, yesterday, last week, you can go to those websites and you can go to the archive sections or you can look them up and we have records of them for you. And if you heard, let's say, maybe about a book or a document, you can certainly go to EW10 in the religious catalog to order an item or you can look up any type of encyclical or papal document or information about any of our shows there as well. So these are great resources in addition to great Catholic radio every day. We'll see you next time on Catholic Connection. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.